almost over? This is crazy. Man, what vulnerable sharing this morning. Yeah. And those testimonies. End this with the Southeast Initiative. God's been stirring the waters this morning. And uh, I hope to stir it a little bit more. Super grateful for the Masseys inviting Christine and I down to spend time with you guys. We're truly filled up and inspired by uh, the Southeast region. We're excited to bring that back to the Rocky Mountain region. We have our, our Earth Spring retreat next weekend if you guys want to be praying for that. But uh, inspired by you guys, inspired by the campus ministers you have, inspired by the direction that you're going. I really do believe that there's greater things ahead in the Southeast region. You know, we've had a lot of fun this weekend. From sumo wrestling to dancing to talent shows to uh, everything in between. But make no mistake, this wasn't God's plan just to have a good time. It was God's plan to bring you here to come alive. To come alive, to, to see beyond the ordinary. To dream new dreams. To be resurrected in your faith. To build relationships that would push you forward. To get more in touch with God's power, His love, His grace. That we can be filled up to the brim as we go back to our universities. That we'll tell others about His love. That we'll shout from our dormitories and from our campuses. About the great God that calls things that are not as though they were. Who brings life to the dead. That's the God that we serve. And that's the God that brought us here so we can go back and change the world. Amen to that? Amen. I think God wanted to hear this, want us to hear this verse twice today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says this. But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, He might show the incomparable riches of His grace, expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The truth is, if you've had faith, repented of your sins, made you a sword, been baptized, you've come alive. God has made you a new creation in Christ. You were once dead and in darkness, and now you're alive and in light. Because of God's great love for you. The riches of His mercy and of His grace has been expressed to us through Jesus Christ. That even though we were dead in our sins, God's love and Jesus' sacrifice resurrects us. It's through God's kindness that calls us by name and resurrects our lives. And He says, you can't earn this. You can't deserve this. You can't do enough things to prove that you're worthy of it. Yeah. None of us before God earn or deserve anything but death. But because of His rich and incomparable grace, He makes us alive. It's a gift from God to every baptized disciple. 
And God just doesn't make us alive so that we can breathe and live again. He makes us alive for a set purpose. And verse 10 talks about how God created us. Before we were even born, He set us apart to do good works. He gave us time. He gave us talent. He gave us a mind. He gave us dreams. He gave us ambitions. He gave us a, a position of being born in the wealthiest country in the world to attend universities. He gave us the times and places in our lives so that we could do the good works that He prepared in advance for us to do. You've been made new so you can go make others new. You've been made new so the fragrance of Christ can be spread everywhere you go. There's a set purpose for our new life. And for God's grace that has touched us and impacted us. And throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul lifts up many ways that the church in Ephesus have been brought alive. And the ways that their new life is impacting and changing others. Last night was quite sobering and, and humbling, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I want to I wanna lift this up, okay? I want to bring this back to life. As we look at some examples in the church in Ephesus about how they came alive, and I want to share some stories from my life of how I've seen God do this and the people around me. But Ephesians 2, verse 10, if we go to the next slide, Jesus, unmistakably, the next slide, has, has made us to come alive so that we will do good works in His name that God prepared just for us to do. I want to tell you about a handful of students in my ministry that had experienced homelessness before they went to college. And before they went to college, one had lived homeless for almost two years and another one for a sense of months. And when they went to college and started attending university, they became Christians and, and they wanted to do something about the homeless population in Denver. Because during the week, there's a lot of resources for the homeless in Denver, but over the weekends, a lot of those shelters shut down. And there's not opportunities for clothing and for food to be handed out on Saturdays. So these two brothers got together in ministry and said, we've got to do something about this. Like, we've experienced this. We know how hard this is, but we've come alive. And we've got to go bring others to life with what we've learned. And so they started Nova, not on bread alone. And it started off small with no funding. These two guys just went and started asking for any donations they could for food. And they would go there on a Saturday morning with whatever food they got that week. They would cook it in the kitchen of our church. They'd organize brothers and sisters to go downtown. And they'd pass it out and have meaningful conversations with the homeless. And try to give them whatever needs they had. Whether it's cosmetic needs. Whether it was clothing needs. They would just try to meet those needs. It started off just one Saturday a month. That's all they can manage. It took almost a whole month to get the resources they needed to do that. Over the last two years, it's taken off. In this year alone in Denver Church, it's our church's goal that all 800 members, every single Bible talk in Denver Church, goes and serves. And now Nova is going on every Saturday morning in Denver at this location. All the homeless in the downtown area know that there's disciples of Christ, that you're going to go there and get your needs met, not just physically, but they're going to open up scriptures with you. They're going to minister to your heart. They're going to counsel you. They're going to look you in the eyes and love you. That's what the disciples are doing who were once dead but have come alive. What ways has God made you alive to do good works in your ministry, in your campus, and in your city? Faith makes people come alive. This next passage here, Ephesians 1, verse 15 through 16, says this. For this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus 
And your love for all God's people. I have not stopped giving you thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. Paul remembers when these men and women were once dead. He's like, man, God has made you alive and your faith amazes me. And I'm constantly reminded by your faith as I pray to God. I want to tell you guys about Chris and Jessica for my ministry. Chris and Jessica, a handful of years ago, were leading a Bible talk and it stunk. It was like walking dead men coming to Bible talk. It was so bad that they didn't even want to go anymore and none of their students want to go to their Bible talk either. And I'm sitting down with Chris in this discipling training time and I said, Chris, what's going on with your Bible talk? He's like, Brian, it's miserable. People show up discouraged, they show up late, the snacks are horrible. This one guy always brings a bag of orange Cheetos. He eats all the Cheetos, doesn't offer to anybody. And then he goes up to visitors if there is one. And all the disciples, he gets this orange powder on everybody. Nobody wants to come. I don't want to be here anymore. Let's cancel it. This is pointless and worthless. And I sit down with Chris and I said, Chris, do you believe that God through faith can resurrect this Bible talk? I don't know, Brian. I really don't know. I quote on the scripture, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I said, Chris, do you believe this? He says, I believe it's true, but I don't see it happening. I said, Chris, I want to challenge you to keep doing the good you know you ought to do and do not give up. I want you to memorize this passage. We're going to meet up in a few days and talk again. Chris memorizes it. We meet up in a few days. He said, Chris, do you now believe it? He says, yes, Brian, I believe this can happen. I said, all right, go back to your Bible talk that doesn't like you and convince them that this is true. <laughs> Chris does. He goes back, convinces them this is true. This is the beginning of April. You know what happened over the next five weeks in that dead Bible talk? God started bringing in tons and tons of students to it. People started sending Bible. People started falling in love with God. And in those last five weeks of semester, five people were baptized from this Bible talk that nobody wanted to go to. I don't know how good or bad your current Bible talk is. But if you have faith that God can change it, you have faith that God can work through you and the others there, it is incredible how he can make a group of disciples come alive and therefore give life to the lost. In what ways do you need to let your faith come alive? What ways has your faith been dwindling and dying? That you need to let God's power resurrect. Another way that people come to life is speaking the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up and become in every respect a mature body of Him who is the head. That is Christ. He says, Paul's talking about men. When you speak the truth in love to your brothers and sisters, it has a way of resurrecting their faith, resurrecting their life, activating God's power in them. I've seen this firsthand with one of my best friends, Jamel. Jamel got really stuck spiritually and almost died. He got baptized his last semester in high school. And went to the University of Colorado with the dreams and hopes that he was walking on to the basketball team. He went to school. And they had recruited him to walk on. And in that process of walking on, he had an injury. And that injury, he, he lost his chances. And his dreams were shattered. He got caught up in the wrong crowd. His grades slipped. 
And he wasted his year and his finances at CU. As consequences, he can no longer attend there. Academic suspension. He goes back to the Community College of Denver. He's working 50 to 60 hours a week, taking four classes. He has to work that much to pay for his classes, pay for his housing, pay off the money he wasted in Boulder. He's discouraged, dreamless, barely coming to church. You could barely track him down to even get him a coffee or connect with him on campus. He was there and then he was gone. He was working. He was just barely holding on spiritually. He wouldn't meet up with anybody and he'd avoid anyone he could see. But over the next year, remember just staying in there with Janelle, loving him, being there with him. Anything I could do to encourage or help him, then God opened up this opportunity to speak the truth and love to him. We had a heart-wrenching conversation. And God, this cut through him like butter and melted his heart. And opened it up to the truth that he'd been blinded to for a year. Jamel changed. His circumstances didn't change. He still had to work crazy hours. So his 50s, he cut down to 40. But he's still working 40 hours, taking a full class load, five classes. Commuting 45 minutes to school. But this guy, his heart changed. All of a sudden, he's the first one out of events. He's the last one to leave. He's serving. He's bringing out friends. His cousin started studying the Bible and got baptized. His friends from, from high school, which was in a rough part of town, started studying the Bible and becoming Christians. Like His life resurrected so much. He changed that after a couple years, he became a campus intern and served for three years and helped lead our ministry through our, our, our years of greatest growth. God blessed his life with Tyler. They were just married a year and a half ago, and now they serve as campus shepherds in our ministry. Like, God took someone who was dead, almost gone, but because the truth was spoken to him in love, he was resurrected again and came alive. Some of you need to open up your hearts to hear the truth and love spoken to you this weekend. Some of you need to have the courage to speak the truth and love to your friends who are a couple bad decisions away of losing their faith. Who do you need to speak the truth and love to before you go back home? And who do you need to invite into your life to speak the truth and love to you? Speak the truth and come alive. I want to tell you about the Carl School of Minds. Here in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, right after that verse, it says, For in him the whole body... Joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, when each part in the ministry, in the church, does its work, God's body is built up. Ministry grows. The ministry is healthy. And I want to tell you guys a story about how Colorado School of Mines, which is like our Georgia Tech, went from nothing to a thriving Bible talk there. Some of you guys know Carlos Maceda, who was converted at University of South Carolina. Carlos got baptized, and literally a few days after his baptism, God moved him to Colorado. He knew nobody. He still had water on his neck from his baptism. He gets there, knows nobody, and he's at this school where we have no disciples at. Carlos is on a full scholarship from a petroleum engineering company in his home country of Angola. He's there, there's no disciples, he's 30 minutes away from the closest disciples, but yet he's like, i got to spread God's word. So Carlos is there all alone, and he's like, well, can, can, we, have a, can we have a Bible talk? Can we have people come down? And he says, Carlos, if you go find people, we'll send people. 
So he starts sharing his faith, starts bringing up friends. And sure enough, this guy named Lid starts studying the Bible. And he's also on an oil petroleum scholarship from Angola. He studies the Bible and gets baptized. All of a sudden, now we have two disciples where we had none. That fall, they're sharing their faith and they reach out to Brandon. Brandon had grown up in our church, but was never interested in studying the Bible. They reach out to Brandon. Brandon's in the middle there. And Brandon's like, I don't know who you guys are, but my mom told me I needed to find a church group when I was down here. I don't like my home church, but I'll go to yours. He goes to the Bible park, comes to church, and suddenly he's like, this is the church I grew up in. I actually like it now. He starts studying the Bible. He gets baptized. Now there's three. Well, that same fall... We go to the next slide. There's a group of girls in Denver that live an hour away from the Colorado School of Mines. They were hanging out one night, and they said, you know what? There's three guys at School of Mines, but there's no girls. That's, that's wrong. I think God wants sisters at School of Mines. So Thursday night, 7 p.m., they get their car. They drive an hour to this campus, which is quite a prestigious campus, like very serious with study and academics. They go down there. They don't even know where they are. They're lost, but they're just sharing their faith to any girls that they see. They meet Kat. Kat starts studying the Bible for a year. These women are making an hour drive once to twice a week to study the Bible with Kat for over the next year. They persisted. God, she fell in love with God. She got baptized. Then the brothers uh, last fall are helping people to move in on the, on, on the, into the dorms on the first move-in days. They run into Ryan, who's next. Ryan's in the middle. He studied the Bible and got baptized. So now there's five people at Paro School Mines where there was zero two years ago. And the interesting thing is, it's not like we're sending campus ministers down there. These are just brothers and sisters doing their part to build up the ministry. And by faith and then using their talents and their gifts, they built a ministry there. And at Bible Talk, there are 10 to 15 people coming out every week. It's taking traction. And I have so much faith that God's going to do even greater things. God can resurrect our ministries when each part does its work. How do you need to start doing your part in your ministry? What work do you need to get involved in in your ministry to really come alive and build up the body of Christ the way he desires? The next one is in Ephesians chapter 6. Proclaim the gospel fearlessly. Paul is asking for prayers himself here. He says in, in verse 19, Pray also for me, that whenever I speak the words, may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may clear it fearlessly as I should. Paul says, I'm an apostle, and I'm still afraid to share my faith. Will you pray for me that I can proclaim the gospel the way I should? It's amazing. Whenever you want to start proclaiming the gospel fiercely, God brings some opportunities your way. I want to share with you about Rick. Rick at the time was just a Bible talk leader in our campus ministry. And at one time we had this Bible talk in this dorm. But because we lost residence at this dorm, they would no longer allow us to have a Bible talk there. And Rick was talking to me one day. He says, Brian, it's wrong that we can no longer have a, have a Bible discussion in this dorm. I want to do something about it. I said, well, Rick, what are you going to do about it? He's like, I'm going to apply to be an RA. And if I get approved, I'm going to have the most <laughs> thriving Bible talk there that you can imagine. I said, Rick, 
If you're fearless and faithful, God's going to move. So he, he fits together this compelling resume, gets his interviews, gets the job. And he's sitting down, his first day of his job, with, with the manager oversees this whole dorm. And she says, Rick, what are you most excited about being an RA? She says, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> the whole reason why I applied for this position is so that I can make God known at this dorm. See, my ministry used to have a thriving Bible discussion here. And we lost our residence. We haven't been here in a year and a half. And God placed it on my heart to start another Bible discussion here. And I want to evangelize this building. I want people to know about God, fall in love with God, and quit wasting their time and their lives. This woman was so moved. And she says, you know what, Rick? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kick every religious organization out of this dorm but your group. So that everyone here who's interested in God will only hear from your mouth. Several people standing by right now to be baptized here in the next couple weeks from this storm. Like it's continued to produce fruit year after year. But it took someone having the courage to fearlessly proclaim God's word. Are you willing to come alive and to fearlessly proclaim God's word? We all face fear, but courage is moving past the fear. Will you proclaim and come alive? I want to tell you about coming alive and becoming a faithful servant. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 21 says, Tychicus, my dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know who I am and what I'm doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and we may encourage you. See, Tychicus was a dear brother. Dear means more precious, more, more close to me. It's a very powerful word in the Greek. No one liked it. And it's very rare that you get to have someone that becomes that close to you, but as disciples, we do. Yeah. I want to tell you about my dear and faithful servant, Christina. I'm like, I'm like already emotional. She's been such a great gift from God. Just a fellow servant in the gospel with me. And I couldn't have asked for someone better to join me on this adventure. And she believes in me when I don't. She's my greatest fan. She can speak the truth and love to me in a voice that I can always hear. She's a really faithful servant, but not to me, but to God. Yeah. And uh, that's what makes her so special in who she is. Christina's been battling through some very self, uh, serious health issues these last few years. She was diagnosed with Lyme disease uh, earlier this year. And it makes her very sick every day. Every day she has some type of fever, migraine, aches, fatigue, and uh, we just don't know what any day will bring. Today's a really rough day, and you just don't know what each day is going to bring. But we're in this adventure together. Yeah. And what I love about Christina is that she fights through what she feels 
so she can be the faithful servant to God. Most people don't even know that she's sick or what she's going through or what she had to do to get herself to that appointment and to be in a mind and a space that she can listen to someone, love to someone, serve someone. The way she wrestles with what she feels internally and physically to be able to be a servant of the Lord inspires me. She doesn't complain. She doesn't argue with God. She's not bitter. She's just a faithful servant of the Lord. God sustains her and amazes both her and I every day of how he uses her in spite of what she feels physically. Her body may feel like it's walking dead, but there's a way powerful God that sustains her and brings her to life. You know, if you're wondering who the gray head and the, the Chilean-looking woman in the back is, that's her parents. They drove down to come be with us today from Charlotte Church. I don't know what your daily battle is. I don't know what you've got to overcome every day. We all got something. But will you come alive and be the faithful servant that the Lord has called each and every one of us to be? In spite of our circumstances, in spite of what we've got to go through, we're first and foremost loyal to be a faithful servant to the Lord. Amen to that? Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, the most inspiring passage of all Ephesians. I leave it for last. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask for or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God can do immeasurably more than you can ask for or imagine. Yeah. Question is, do you have the faith to act upon that? Yeah. Two years ago we had this brother named Joe who wanted to have a Bible talk at this dorm. He tried for two years. No one would come. No one became a Christian. It was discouraging. Finally, I just had to tell Joe, Joe, we're no longer going to this dorm until we find someone on campus and convert them that lives there. Sure enough, two weeks after I say that, we run into Rick. Rick studies the Bible, but so happens to live at this dorm. Rick becomes a Christian at this dorm, starts sharing his faith, several other people become Christians. The following year, we end up with three RAs at this one dorm. It, 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 it takes off. We're having 30 to 40 people come to Bible talk every week. And in one semester, 10 people got baptized at this one door. It's amazing that if you don't give up with faith, how God can make you alive. That he can do a measuring more than you can ask for or imagine. Job just wanted to have a Bible talk. God says, I got countless souls. I want to save them. God can do immeasurably more than you ask for or imagine when you come alive. But I just want to end with two short questions to you and I. The first one is this. Will you come alive? Will you come alive? See, following Jesus is never-ending pursuit and becoming more and more like Him. We have to have faith that God can change us. That God can help us. That God will bring us to life regardless of what we have. Romans 4 verse 17 says... The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. We serve a God who calls things that are not as though they were. And he gives death or he gives life to the dead. What is it that you want to come alive in from this weekend? What has God placed on your heart? 
Maybe it's an old sin that you need to repent of. It's just been dogging you, and it's been holding you down. And you're just like, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm overcoming and repenting of this sin. Maybe there's a new side of your character that was exposed this weekend. And you're like, God, give me the strength to overcome and come alive. Maybe there's something in your heart, and you came into this retreat hard-hearted. But you just want to say, God, I want soft-hearted. Renew a steadfast spirit. Give me a heart of flesh. Maybe it's something you've heard in the classes this weekend that God placed on your heart and you need more faith to answer that calling. Maybe it's something you've tried changing in in the years past that you just have never been successful in. And you're like, God, bring me alive again. Some of you guys are walking dead spiritually and haven't become true Christians. And you've heard a message. You've heard the call of that faith to repent, to make Jesus Lord, and to be baptized. I charge you, do not waste time in this area. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed next week, next month. If you know you need to repent and get baptized, then don't let anything get in your way of, of studying the Bible and repenting and going after that and get your soul saved. Whatever God has placed on your heart this weekend, go after changing it. Go after making, helping Him come make you alive. Because if you go back down the mountains of your city without a game plan, the very things He's placed on your heart, Satan will steal. And you'll remain the same. You can get all hyped this weekend, but if you don't make plans to come alive, you'll stay the same. Will you come alive? And the second question is this. Will you bring others to life? Will you bring others to life? You know, we're surrounded by so many people that are in desperate need of life. God has handpicked you out of the darkness and has called you on your campus for such a time as this. He has you in your class for a reason. He has you at your workplace for a reason because there are open people all around you that are drowning in their sin. And he has saved your soul, not just so you can enjoy the fellowship, but so you can bring life to others. Resurrect others, shipwrecked lives. You can't ignore the millions drowning around us, pleading for help. Those conversion stories you heard this morning is the stories of all those around you. It's a matter or not, you'll reach out and love them and show them the way to life. Some of us have lost faith that God could use us to bring others to life. Mm. God, Brian, I've already tried sharing my faith. It didn't work. No one came out. I know. It takes more than a few times. Sometimes you've got to share faith with a lot of people before they come out. Brian, I had a friend start studying the Bible. And once they started hearing the truth, they, they backed out. My faith is really hurt. Brian, man, I had a friend of mine get baptized. After a few months, they fell away, and my faith is hurting. Right, my family's not open. They don't even want me to be a disciple. They persecute me all the time. I know. I, I face these very same challenges. But can you put a price tag on a soul? Can you put a limit that you're willing to go or not go so someone can be brought to life? You gotta understand, you gotta get past your own hurts. Your own failures, your own whatever you want to call it. Because there's open people out there that are dying and need you to rescue them. Yeah. And we got to get over our past and over our insecurities to bring others to life. But as people come to life, we have to grow to be able to take care of them, don't we? we got to learn to be able to disciple and take care of each other. 
You know, last year in the Denver campus, we had 32 conversions. But man, our ministry had to grow to take care of these 32 new Christians. God will only bring people into your ministry that you're going to take care of. You, that's not the minister's job. That's your job. That's a brother and sister's commitment to one another to help each other to grow. Your growth of your ministry is dependent on your ability to take care of and love each other. Do you know the Bible studies? You know, you can like chain it in your Bible. You can make like little cheat note cards. You can memorize them. We're only talking about eight of them. They're not that hard. It's not rocket science. You memorize harder concepts in your schooling, but you devote yourself to being a student of instructing people to become Christians. We encourage, we need to start discipling each other and not leave that for other people. Can we practice something right now? Let's practice discipling each other for a moment. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, I promise. Okay. I want you to turn to someone to your right or left, and I want you to say something encouraging to them. Go for it. Practice it. Seriously.
on our way back, okay? Seek the truth from love. It tastes good. Sometimes it's hard to chew on, but we all need it for our nourishment. But guys, the truth is, we can do what we're talking about. We can help bring others to life. We can reach out to the lost. We can disciple each other. We can encourage each other. We can do this thing. We gotta have faith to bring others to life. God has handpicked you for such a time as this. He did not make mistakes. You're on your campus for a reason. You're in your ministry, whether you like it or not, for a reason. God has you at your university for a reason. And it's to come alive, to make others come alive and for you to come alive. How do you want to come alive and make disciples on your campus? How do you want to come alive and do radical things on your universities? How do you want to come alive and unify your ministry in a way it hasn't been before? How do you want to come alive and change the world around you? The truth is we have no more time to waste. The days are evil like we talked about last night and our time is short. You get this little window of campus ministry and you graduate and you move on. What legacy are you leaving behind that will echo on after you graduate? That people will remember, the impact will be felt, discipleship will march forward. This is the very things we're talking about. You have God's Holy Spirit that dwells in you and you have His grace that compels you. Let's be these men and women that come alive and bring others to life. Amen. It's been a joy to be with you.